0: Welcome back to Here's the Deal. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today I am chatting with my good friend, Dr. Brianne Callanan. Dr. Brianne is a naturopathic doctor and a mother of two, and she is quite the driven woman. I don't know how she manages it all this podcast, this episode, we're talking about PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. I have been working with more and more women who have PCOS. And so selfishly, I wanted to learn more about this and how I can help women with PCOS still reach their goals because one of the symptoms is stubborn weight loss. Um, and it's due to the amount of inflammation that is in a woman's body. So if you are dealing with irregular periods, you have a lot of inflammation, you can't lose weight no matter what you do, and you don't know if you have PCOS, this is definitely something that you want to look into. Now, if you have been diagnosed with PCOS, you're definitely going to want to listen to this. Because you can absolutely reach your goals. It's going to be a little bit harder, but it goes way beyond just going on a low-carb diet and exercising more. So, Brianne's going to tell you exactly what you need to do. Now, this quickly turns into more than a podcast just about PCOS. Because as we dive into insulin resistance, we also start to talk about Gut health and the gut microbiome. And when we start talking about the gut, we have to start talking about the brain. And so that leads us into this discussion around mindset and stress management. And that is why everyone, men and women, PCOS or not, premenopausal, postmenopausal, need to listen to this podcast. So again, you have to look at your perception of your environment and your limiting beliefs and what's driving your food cravings in order for you to reach this place that we're all looking to get to, right? Where we feel the way we want to feel, where we look the way we want to feel, and we're just optimizing our life. One of my favorite quotes from Brianne, and then I'll, I'll get us started, is, Your thoughts about your environment impact your health, but your gut bacteria also impact your thoughts, So which one is it? Are your thoughts your own or is your gut making you think this way? Good news is, you guys, there's a lot of stuff we can do and it's not hard. It's the little things you hear us talk about on this show, whether I'm talking to a therapist, a women's hormone expert, um, a personal development coach, a nutrition coach, or a doctor. There are little things that you can do right now to help you feeling and looking your best. So with all that being said, I'm going to let you dive in. Make sure you check out Brienne Kellanen. I've got links to her website um, in the show notes. And also she recently did a talk on this very subject. And that is also in the show notes. Check it out. Reach out to Bria if you need help. And I look forward to talking to you soon. So we are back today with Dr. Brianne Kellinan, and today we are talking about PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, if you are not familiar. And the reason I wanted to talk to Brianne today is because um, I keep seeing more and more women come to me that are working with PCOS, and I, I personally want to understand more about it so I can coach women better, but also empower you guys to figure out, okay, am I working with this? What can I do? Um, And can I still reach my goals while I'm working with this? So thanks again for coming back, Brianne.
1: Thank you so much for having me. PCOS is very common and very prevalent. And unfortunately, individuals, at least what I find is they're told, yes, you have this. Not many options. Come back when you want to get pregnant. Otherwise, be on birth control. And there's so many other options that can really help manage these symptoms. And there's... So many things that you can do to help reach your goals.
0: I love it. So
1: based on what I've
0: learned so far, my understanding is there's four different types of PCOS. Is that correct?
1: There are different types of PCOS, and it's a very challenging condition because there's a wide spectrum of signs and symptoms. It's also not named properly, in my opinion. Okay. Cystic ovarian syndrome means multiple cysts on the ovaries. Now you actually don't have to have multiple cysts on your ovaries to fit the diagnostic criteria there are hormone changes that we see of course one of the classical reasons why women with pcos will come to their primary care is because they have higher levels of testosterone and these symptoms will result in things like acne hair growth on the face hair loss on the head that's primarily what individuals will come in. They'll say, I'm experiencing these symptoms. You know, I'm in my thirties. Why am I still having acne? My hair is thinning, but underlying that is also insulin resistance. So a lot of individuals with PCOS will have this underlying issue with blood sugar that also needs to be treated. Now, where it becomes hard for individuals to get diagnosed is this is a very big spectrum. So you can have a little bit of too high of testosterone, but really bad insulin resistance. And perhaps because you don't have the high testosterone symptoms of acne and hirsutism, we call it so hair growth on the head, you're not getting properly diagnosed. So it is a very big spectrum. And yeah. the signs and symptoms can depend on the degree to which the hormones are impacted.
0: So what else should they be looking for? So the- the acne, the hair loss, high levels of testosterone, if they know that data, is there anything else that they would be presenting with? Can you spot somebody who has PCOS out of a crowd?
1: Yes, yes. So you don't actually need blood work showing high testosterone. You don't actually need an ultrasound showing cysts on your ovary. So there's three diagnostic criteria. You only need two of the three. And the ultrasound labs, that's just one. So if a woman comes to me and they're experiencing hair growth on the face, hair loss in the head, acne and irregular cycles, that's enough for me to say, yes, there's something going on here that we need to look at. We need to run some labs to see the degree in which this is impacting you. And then our treatment is based off of your signs, and symptoms, but also your labs. Irregular cycles would be anything greater than 35 days or if you're skipping a cycle or you know, if you're just missing cycles altogether. That's why individuals often are just put on birth control and said, come back when you want to get pregnant. Mm. Individuals with PCOS, because of the underlying blood sugar issues, because of the hormone changes that we see, yes, there is some challenges perhaps with getting pregnant, but if we can fix the underlying issue and get you ovulating on your own and your cycle's coming regularly, then there will be no issues with getting pregnant, as long as you ovulate Typically, you can get pregnant at that point if you have PCOS. So it's unfortunate. Young women, when they're first diagnosed with PCOS, are told, oh, you'll struggle to have children. And that's not necessarily the case. If we fix the underlying issues and things align back, you don't have to have that underlying fear of, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to be able to get pregnant without help. Wow. So
0: how do you address this? Let's say it comes to you. I've got PCOS. How do you help me?
1: Yeah. So we have to look at, is there underlying insulin resistance? So what is insulin resistance? If we'll just cover that. When you consume carbohydrates or sugars, whether they're from fruits and vegetables or from pastas and cookies, they're all broken down into glucose in your bloodstream. Now, in response to that sugar or glucose in your bloodstream, your pancreas releases insulin. In a healthy individual or a normal individual, quote, unquote, um, what happens is your cells see that insulin and pull the sugar into your cells. In someone who is insulin resistance, their cells cannot interpret the insulin properly. So glucose sits around in the bloodstream and doesn't go into the cells. So now your cells are starving. They're like, where is the glucose? And the pancreas is like, why is this blood sugar so high? We'll produce more insulin. More insulin, not only is it a fat storage hormone, so it'll be harder for individuals to lose weight, but it also stimulates the ovaries to produce more testosterone. That's where we see the symptoms. Classically, we give birth control to treat the high testosterone symptoms, but it's actually the insulin underneath that we need to address. So when individuals are struggling to lose weight or they're having food cravings because their cells are just starving because they're not getting glucose in there birth control is not going to fix that. We have to fix the underlying issue. If we fix the insulin resistance, your brain will get the proper signals from your hormones. You'll ovulate on your own. Your cycles will come back more regularly. It'll be easier to control cravings. Women even will see issues with anxiety and depression with PCOS because their blood sugars all over the place. And they're just told birth control is your only option. And we're not even explaining that your cells are starving. We need to fix that piece. So what I do is I look at all of the symptoms. I like to run blood work on where is your testosterone? Where is your estrogen? Where is your progesterone? Where is your LH and FSH to get an idea of how your body is responding to your hormones and what signals the brain is sending. Mm -hmm. If insulin comes back high, then we need to treat the insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is typically what we see in pre-diabetes. So for some individuals, it's taking that time to explain how your blood sugar impacts your hormones. Because if we just say to women, oh, we're gonna give you this diabetic drug metformin. If they don't understand why, then compliance goes down. Mm -hmm. There are things from a pharmaceutical base that can help insulin resistance like metformin. Understanding what are the benefits, what are the risks and what are the alternatives is really helpful in these cases. Not everybody can tolerate that medication. Sometimes there is GI issues with it. There are other natural options and lifestyle options. It's the insulin piece that we really want to focus on. And that's why women have a harder time losing weight too. They just have high insulin. That says store, 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 store body fat. So you don't necessarily need to eat less and exercise more. We have to fix the insulin so that your body is getting the proper signals of what to do with the foods.
0: So from a, a diet perspective, what I have read and been told to do when someone presents with this to me is, okay, it's a low carb diet. Is that is that how you address it with nutrition or what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So we have to look at the degree to which insulin is impacting this individual. Okay. So if it's really high, then doing things like lower carbohydrates and intermittent fasting can be helpful. But we also have to appreciate and remember, these individuals cannot get sugars or glucose into their cells properly. So they have food cravings, they have high appetite, they have anxiety and depression, they they struggle with food cravings in general and managing their appetite. So just simply telling someone to take all of the sugars out of their diets when their cells are completely devoid of getting in that, that glucose or it's impaired a little bit is not always helpful. It's gonna be really hard for them to stick with it. Mm -hmm. I also want to look at, is it healthy and is it sustainable? Mm -hmm. So if I said to you, you're going to take out carbs for the rest of your life, no vegetables that are high in carbohydrates, so those root ones, no grains. For some individuals, they're gonna say, I cannot do that, I cannot sustain that. And that is okay. Mm -hmm. So we always look at what is the insulin level to determine how low carb do we need to be and for how long? Okay. So, saying to someone, oh, just go low carb for the rest of your life, sometimes is really daunting. So, I look at here's your insulin. We're going to do this for six weeks and we're going to remeasure. Then that will tell us when we can cycle carbohydrates back in, if that's something that they want in their nutrition plan. We also look at okay, what are other strategies that we can utilize so that you can consume a little bit more carbohydrates? So, it's easier for you to stick with this long term resistance training is fantastic. So if you're willing to do resistance training, fantastic, we can put the carbohydrates in and around the ins- or in and around the resistance training. Temporarily perhaps we lower that until the insulin gets in a better place, but the more ins- resistance training you do, the more carbohydrates you'll be able to consume. Stress raises your blood sugar, raises your insulin. Lack of sleep oh. is a stressor too. So we have to look at all of the lifestyle. If you're willing to resistance training you're willing to manage your stress you're willing to sleep you'll be able to have a more flexible nutrition plan
0: what i love about this is this is what we mean me and my coaches i work with this is what we're telling everyone so really nothing really changes i mean yes they're working with the insulin resistance but everything still applies with the strength training managing the stress and making sure you're getting sleep
1: Mm -hmm. hallelujah It's also really hard, too, because we know that there's an inflammatory component to PCOS. We know there's a genetic component to PCOS, Mm -hmm. and we know that there's the blood sugar piece to PCOS. So did the PCOS come first or is the insulin resistance contributing to some of those androgen-based symptoms? Unfortunately, women are just told and almost blamed for their PCOS, saying, you know, you just need to lose weight because you gained weight because you um, ate X, Y, and Z you've caused this. And that's really not the case because there is that genetic component to it. And we know these individuals are more likely to gain weight and have more inflammation and have insulin resistance. So you can't just say to someone lose weight when their condition is increasing their propensity to be obese. Right. It's a cyclical, so, cycle. It's a cyclical cycle. Yeah. Saying yes. Of course, if we can lose weight, your insulin resistance will be better, mm-hmm. but you're more prone to insulin resistance because of the genetic component to it, which is increasing your likelihood. So it's not an individual's fault. They shouldn't be blamed for you know developing this on their own. I see that a lot. And I just, I really don't understand why, because there is that genetic component to it. Yeah. So if we can create a sustainable lifestyle plan that is individualized to each person, Some individuals will love a low carb diet and they want to do it forever. And that feels really good and they feel amazing and it's sustainable and flexible for them. Fantastic. But if it's not for an individual, we need to know when we can end that Mm -hmm. and how we can make it sustainable for them.
0: So if um, someone comes in and they're, you know, five, seven, and they weigh, let's say they weigh 215 pounds and they have PCOS. Mm -hmm is it possible for them to move into a more healthy weight and then stay there for the rest of their life if they manage this and take care of this?
1: For sure, yep. And we also need to look at some of the signs and symptoms that we see are because individuals are not ovulating. Mm -hmm. We can use bioidentical hormones at some point. For some individuals, it's, it's warranted to help reset that cycle. There are herbs and supplements that we can use as well to speed the process of healing the insulin resistance and speed the process of lowering that testosterone. Is it going to be a magic pill that you can change nothing with your lifestyle and take this pill? No, you still have to do the lifestyle components but if we can speed things up for individuals so they receive results faster, the results builds momentum. And then they see the feedback from the positive changes and they're more likely to do it. It is very hard for someone with insulin resistance and PCOS to lose weight. So simply telling them, oh, just lose weight is not helpful at all. They need some additional support to manage the insulin. And if it's something like, you know, taking something like a berberine or something to manage blood sugar, like chromium or ALA, there's so many options that we can use to make things so much easier, that women don't feel like they have to struggle and eat less and eat less and eat less.
0: I mean, this feels really hopeful to me. And I love one of the reels that you made. (laughs) And that is what oftentimes their traditional Western medicine doctor will tell them, just eat less and exercise more. And that's, as you said, not helpful at all.
1: Mm -hmm. Especially with the exercise that I find women traditionally do is that long form of cardio, right? So we know that there's an inflammatory component and the blood sugar component, which stress can influence both of those. So if you're not sleeping, you're stressed out, then you're waking up early, sacrificing your sleep to do this hour, two hour long workout. That's creating a lot of inflammation, a lot of cortisol in the body that might not be helpful for you. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to give it 200% in terms of your exercise at the start mm-hmm. simply going for a 10 minute walk after meals is moving your muscles enough to pull that sugar into the cells that's a, that's it just start slow right Wait. start slow mm-hmm. weight training would be great mm-hmm. but again it has to be sustainable and it has to be something that you enjoy doing if you know you don't like doing one form of exercise Try something different. Like you have to find something that you like. Mm -hmm. Because if you're beating yourself up and you have this mindset of, I don't want to be here, I don't like doing this, it's not going to be helpful.
0: It's not. And I, I think it's helpful to remind people too that nutrition is the most important piece for all of this, whether it's weight loss or, well, is it true for insulin resistance?
1: Yeah. Nutrition is going to be key.
0: Yeah. Getting. So, like you said, find a workout that you love that's not <laughs> high intensity all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah. And to, we have to remember that one of the things that happens with intense exercise is your appetite goes up. We know that, right? So, if you're doing this really intense workout and you're not sleeping and your appetite is going crazy, but we're trying to manage your nutrition that's also not necessarily helpful either. So we have to find the right amount of exercise that's going to produce the results that we want, but not create a lot of stress, not create a lot of inflammation and not drive up your appetite. Mm -hmm. Typically what I see most commonly is women will do this crazy exercise, especially in the morning, they'll fast and fast and fast and fast. They'll stay busy during the day. They won't consume enough protein during the day. Then all of a sudden when the kids go to bed, they're having these crazy sugar cravings and they're like, I don't know why. Like, I think I know why. I think I know why.
0: <laughs> oh, I hope whoever is listening, like if that sounds like you and you don't know if you have PCOS, like go. Well, and that's the thing. So let's say, Brianne, I'm going along. Maybe I've already got a kid. Is there a chance that I don't know I have PCOS? Like if I have Resistant weight loss, Um, I'm starting to lose my hair and I'm having this adult acne. Is there a chance?
1: Yeah. So we have to look at, this is where it becomes tricky. So if you have insulin resistance because of lifestyle and dietary choices, that can impact your hormones and create the hormone symptoms. So we have to see, do you fit the two out of three diagnostic criteria? You can have insulin resistance without PCOS. Right? So if you have insulin resistance and we're seeing acne, but you don't have cysts on your ovaries, you've never had infertility, you have no other symptoms, then you could have more PCOS tendencies, but not necessarily have PCOS most individuals will have irregular menstrual cycles with okay. PCOS, missing cycles, struggling with infertility, um, things like that, cysts on your ovaries for sure, right? So if you've had an ultrasound that shows cysts on your ovaries, then you, yeah, we, we cluster it in. The exact naming doesn't matter as much to me as the symptoms, right? Okay. So I don't necessarily care if I label someone PCS or don't label them. Sometimes the label is not helpful anyways. Mm-hmm. We're just seeing these blood sugar changes, inflammation changes, hormone changes, and your symptoms. All we have to do is correct that. And that's all that matters. Sometimes individuals can identify with this label that they've been given. Mm -hmm. And then they Google all the the issues with it. And they define themselves by that label. Mm -hmm. So I really am a big fan of just saying, here's what's going on. Here's what we know. Here's how we're going to correct it. We don't necessarily need to label it.
0: I love this because, um, I recently did another podcast with a woman. She's a health coach that helps high functioning women that have anxiety and depression. And she basically said the same thing. We don't need to label it. Let's look at what you're experiencing and let's address those issues. I love, Mm -hmm. I just think that overlap is really cool. So one more thing here, how will I, so you mentioned some young women, like let's say they're a teenager, they go to the doctor and they find out they have PCOS, um, do most people find out early on and then when they're trying to have kids or do other people find on, find out later when they're in their forties?
1: So if you have a regular cycles, okay. the young woman, most commonly you're just given birth control,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So they're not taking the time to investigate if this is going on. They just say irregular cycles, acne, here's birth control done. Mm-hmm. Where individuals are most likely to be diagnosed is when they're trying to get pregnant. So maybe they've been on birth control for a number of years, they come off of it, their cycles are irregular, they're not ovulating, they're having a more challenging time getting pregnant. There is a huge percentage of individuals who have PCOS that are not diagnosed and they're not diagnosed until they get pregnant. And it's often because they just haven't taken the time, not the individual, but sometimes their medical care is just not taking the time to investigate, is this a thing they mm-hmm. just say birth control, you'll be good, come back when you wanna get pregnant.
0: I see. Well, and that leads me to the next question. Who should someone be working with if they have PCOS? Will their regular provider assist them in a way that is helpful or do they need to seek more of a holistic practitioner?
1: It all depends on the individual. So if you're not willing to make lifestyle choice changes, right? We still need to manage your symptoms. So if you're not willing to sleep, if you're not willing to change your nutrition plan, if you're not willing to exercise, if you're not willing to put whole foods into your body, Mm -hmm. then managing your symptoms with something like a birth control makes sense for that individual, right? Because they don't want to have an impaired quality of life where they have cystic acne and hair loss. Mm -hmm. So birth control definitely can manage the symptoms piece of it. We do know birth control has an increased association with increasing the likelihood of insulin resistance. So it's making the underlying issue worse. So when you come off of it, you might have some issues. Birth control also depletes some key vitamins and minerals. So if you're on it for symptom management, or if you're on it to prevent pregnancy, what it's intended to be used for, you might wanna replace things like your magnesium, your B vitamins, zinc, things like that individuals who want to manage their symptoms naturally or understand what their options are in terms of here's the pharmaceutical option here's natural options here's nutrition options if you're willing to take that holistic approach and you want to give it a shot to manage your symptoms with diet and lifestyle and supplements then yeah seeing someone who practices integrative or functional medicine could be a really great option i work collaboratively with many healthcare providers One option is not necessarily better than the other, as long as the individual is making the informed choice that's best for them. So my goal is always to educate and say, here's pharmaceutical option, benefits risks, here's alternative options, benefit risks. Not every single time is the natural option better for each individual. It's all looking at what are all of your options and what is the best choice for you.
0: Wow, this is great. And thank goodness we have options.
1: Yeah. For sure, and sometimes you can even use a combined approach, right? So if individuals want to try out metformin to manage the insulin resistance, fantastic. If it's not fully resolving it, then we can use berberine or we can use ALA or chromium or other things to manage insulin resistance as well. If individuals are looking to preserve egg quality in PCOS, we might use something like NAC or inositol to get you ovulating sometimes using bioidentical progesterone. So that's kind of a combination between natural and pharmaceutical, could be a great option too, to help a woman ovulate on her own. So there's so many options and finding what's best for each individual is what really makes sense.
0: Um, With the metformin, I see that a lot on my intake form. You know, what are you, what medications are you on? Mm -hmm. Is, um, are there side effects to metformin or anything I need to know or people should know before getting on metformin?
1: Yeah. So what metformin is doing, it's a typical drug that we use for insulin resistance or diabetes to improve insulin sensitivity. That's what we want to do. We want your cells to be more sensitive to insulin so that your pancreas doesn't have to produce as much. So that's great. In terms of potential side effects with it, the most common thing that we see is GI complaints. So Mm -hmm. diarrhea, abdominal upset, things like that. If that's happening, perhaps you can speak to your provider about a different dose, or if it's really not working for you, we do know that berberine has been studied to sh- be shown to be as effective as metformin. Really? Berberine, yeah. Berberine also, though, does have similar side effects. Not as much as metformin I typically see, but you can have GI complaints with too high of a level of berberine too. It's really interesting, there is research both on metformin and berberine that they have impacts on the gut microbiome. And some of those changes that either the pharmaceutical or the herb is causing on the gut microbiome might actually be contributing to the positive effects that we're seeing. So if you have the wrong type of gut bacteria, you're more likely to have inflammation and insulin resistance. So if we can also look at it as a holistic approach to see what's going on digestively, we can also make improvements there. Other things that I see with metformin is we do know that it can deplete B12 and folate. So those are important ones for energy production. So individuals who are on it might want to consider either measuring their B12 and folate or supplementing to make sure that they have enough. Okay.
0: So random question. With the berberine, would an individual like myself benefit from a berberine supplement to help with not that I have insulin resistance, but just to keep everything happy in my body and when it as it pertains to blood sugar?
1: So it, it depends again. Oh. So if you have bacterial overgrowth, yes, you can use berberine okay. to help reduce that. But we have to look at is long-term use going to cause too much depletion in your gut microbiome.
0: Mm.
1: As well as if you already have good insulin sensitivity, and your blood sugar typically runs low, perhaps taking the berberine can cause your blood sugar to go too low. Uh-huh. So if you're really interested in health and you have you know, an interest of using a continuous blood glucose monitor, mm-hmm. you know, the ones you just stick on the back of your arm and scan it, you can try it out and see how your body responds. Berberine is not something that you can use as a quick fix if you're eating a high sugar meal right? So you can't just have McDonald's and take berberine. That's not going to work. But every so often, if you know you're having more carbohydrates, and you know that you don't tolerate them well, in terms of your blood sugar, you can add it in. So I I have patients do that. um, You know, if you're going to have a high carb day, make sure you do your resistance training, but you can also take berberine to help mitigate some of those impacts.
0: Very cool. Well, and then I have to remind everyone that, you know, Brianna's is the one who helped me with my GI test. And it sounds like maybe these two things go hand in hand, figuring out what's going on with your gut and addressing your PCOS.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you have the wrong ratio of bacteria, you will absorb more calories from the foods you eat, more insulin resistance and inflammation. And the way they found that out is they actually did rat studies where they took an obese rat pulled out its feces and transferred it into a lean rat. I don't know why they thought that that was a cool thing to do, but they did it. And they found that just by doing that, the lean rat didn't change its diet, didn't change its exercise. The lean rat became obese. So we can actually predict someone's weight and their risk of developing diabetes by their gut microbiome. Which Amazing. Is so- the other thing that they did, which is even crazier, is they took a rat and they stressed it out. So if you put a rat in a wide open enclosure, it won't have a place to hide and it'll be stressed and it'll exhibit stressful behaviors. So they did that, took its feces, transferred it into a rat that was in a nice, happy environment with lots of spaces to hide. The rat, regardless of the environment, started to exhibit stressful behaviors. So your environment, if it's stressful, will change your gut microbiome. Then even if you have a great environment, if your gut microbiome's wrong, it can cause more stress and anxiety. That's what we're seeing in these rodent studies, which is really interesting. So your thoughts about your environment impact your gut health, but your gut bacteria also impact your thoughts. So it's this weird, integral relationship where we have to make sure that we're providing the right signals to have a good gut microbiome so that they can help us have a better mindset.
0: Fantastic and amazing.
1: <laughs> oh, it's like, are these thoughts truly at all our own? <laughs> or is it my gut right, making just, me think this way? Yeah. And then when individuals say, okay, well, how do I do that? We have to think of, we want a diverse gut microbiome. So the better the diversity, the more variety of species, it appears to be better. Mm-hmm. So we have to bring a whole bunch of different snacks to the party to get them to hang around. Wow. So that means having a diverse diet and a diverse variety of fibers. So a diversification of your fruits and vegetables and your protein sources. A lot of individuals are consuming the exact same foods,
0: mm-hmm. you know, the
1: exact same 10 to 12 ingredients all of the time. Mm-hmm. We really have to bump up that diversity. We have to sleep. We have to manage our stress. We have to get exposures to nature and our environment. So go out and garden, getting exposure to the bacteria and everything on the soil is really great. Um, We're using lots and lots of cleaning products right now. And I understand given the circumstances, but we also, it's important for our immune system to learn by getting exposed to things. Mm -hmm. Pets, right? They carry in dirt all the time. So individuals who have pets often have a better gut microbiome as well
0: again fascinating
1: don't clean your house as much
0: i don't this is why i never get sick this is why my son never gets sick mm-hmm. i knew i was
1: doing something right <laughs> <laughs> and vitamin d right get some fresh air get some sunlight yes vitamin d is under appreciated it is so important and we or i live in a place that we don't get sunshine for half the year so Testing vitamin D and knowing how much to supplement with is really, really important. And then getting out in the sun as much as you can without, of course, burning.
0: Well, and like, you know, to go back to one of the first things you said, start small. So as the weather gets warmer, if you can go for a walk after you eat a meal, let's do that.
1: Mm -hmm. It'll make a huge impact, right? It's the small things that you do consistently that add up, whether it's healthy or unhealthy, right? So that small little treat that you have that you makes you feel like junk but you're only eating it because you have some underlying emotional stuff that you're not dealing with mm-hmm. if you're doing that small thing over and over and over and over again that'll add up to a big impact same with just simply going for a walk if there's just if you don't want to walk and there's just a bench if you can just get yourself to the bench and sit on the bench and get that sunshine and exposure to nature and really sit and just observe what's going on around you and try to take all the junk that's in your head that you're thinking about and just putting it on the side, Mm -hmm. that small step alone will create a huge impact.
0: I'm so glad that you said that because this is, again, it comes up on whichever podcast guest I have on, the importance of managing stress, but I still see people who struggle with it. Obviously, I mean, we're living in stressful times, but if they understood the impact that the stress is truly having on their gut, on their overall health, on their weight loss goals. I feel like they would maybe take this stuff a little bit more seriously. And I love how you said, you know, if you're not willing to address the lifestyle factors, let's take a look at that too. <laughs> I'm not willing to get a walk-in. I'm not willing to eat a vegetable. I think we need to just examine that. Why? Why am I not willing to do that?
1: hmm Yeah, what are the underlying limiting beliefs there, right? -hmm. Because typically, we want to consume foods that make us feel good, right? We are always like we're pleasure beings. We want to move towards things that make us feel good. Yes, foods that are unhealthy will make us feel good temporarily. Mm -hmm. But, you know, 20 minutes later, if you're feeling some of those negative emotions about it, then there's something there's some thought there's some emotion that drove you to eat that food just to get that little piece of feel good. Mm -hmm. So where are other areas in your life that you're not experiencing joy? Do you have a strong purpose? Do you enjoy the relationships, the people that you surround yourselves with? You know, what are your limiting beliefs about your sense of self? Mm -hmm. And it's so hard, but we ultimately have to remember that we have the choice in how we perceive our environment. It can be really awful. It can be really stressful. And of course, you know, given our times, yes, there is stressors, but you can choose how you want to internalize that. You can choose how you want to react to it. Mm -hmm. You're either, you know, glass is half full or glass is half empty. And you define like no one makes you feel unhappy, right? You get the choice to be happy or not, Mm -hmm. which is so hard to kind of realize and, and appreciate and actually live that out. But the more you can do that, even if you can 5% choose to be happier more, Mm -hmm. then you'll look for other things that make you happy. If you're always focused on the positive, that's what you're going to see. If you're Mm -hmm. focused on the negative, that's where you're going to go. So for individuals who they know very clearly what they don't want, and they're so focused on what they don't want that they kind of lead themselves right to that. Mm -hmm. When I ask, like, what do you want? How do you want to feel? Well, what defines your happiness? What defines success? They actually don't know. I'm like, well, that's where you need to start because how do you know where you're supposed to go if you don't even know what it is? Exactly. And I just have to point out, you guys,
0: so Brianna's a doctor. She's a doctor and clearly she's very intelligent, but still, it still comes back to mindset limiting beliefs and all of this stuff. So if you haven't drank the Kool-Aid on the power of your mind, (laughs) it's time. Take a sip because it's absolutely true.
1: Yeah. And it's the hardest part. And it's uh-huh. to slip back into old patterns, right? Mm-hmm. And it, none of this is anybody's fault. It's often what we've learned from society and, and childhood experiences, right? So mm-hmm. babies are very self um, oriented. They let us know what they want. And if they're not happy, they're clearly going to tell us. We've taught children or we've learned through our experiences how to have these thoughts. Mm-hmm. So you know, do you have a childhood experience where you just felt like you couldn't be happy until X, Y, and Z happened? Mm -hmm. Well, why not? You have to challenge that. Mm -hmm. So look at what you've learned through your parents and through experiences and society, and really question that.
0: I just finished reading this book, How to Do the Work. Have you read it or seen it? So it's from this woman. Her account on Instagram is the holistic psychologist. She's Amazing. Her real name is Dr. Nicola Para, but it, it talks all about this. So if you're listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, I, my mom did say I, you know, or I, this was ingrained in me, read that book because you learn how to rewire and reparent yourself. So powerful.
1: I was actually thinking before we got on this call, just the power that social media has influenced our brains because we always, you know, you tell your kids, Be your own person and do things that you love and, you know, don't follow the crowd. And, you know, just because someone said, jump off a bridge, would you actually do it? And no, and be your own person and establish like your own beliefs. But yet the social media, like I bought, you know, those TikTok leggings. I don't like the look of them. They're cheap, but yet I bought them because I saw it on social media. I'm like, wow. Wow. I feel like I'm very strong in my beliefs and trying to be my own person and sharing my unique message and being happy with who I am. But yet it was so easy for me to be influenced to follow the crowd of junky leggings that I don't even like the look of. We're so influenceable. So we have to look at, shut that off, right? Like mm-hmm. social media needs to like have your designated time set an intention of how long you want to be on there and what are you getting out of it?
0: Yes, I agree with not- that 100% because it does serve a purpose. I wouldn't be friends with you if it weren't for social media, right? But you do have to set parameters around. It. I also read this book called Indistractable and that's what they were talking about. Like it's It is social media, but it's also us and the fact that we don't have boundaries around it. So again, mm-hmm. ownership of thoughts, ownership of where you're spending your time.
1: Yeah. And looking back to PCOS, when you're looking for that positive dopamine boost, Mm -hmm. social media is something that's very easy to get distracted in. So you have to find other things that you'll get that same pleasure response and swap it out. So you can't just say, okay, I'm not going to do social media. I'll sit here and do nothing, right? Like you have to find other things that bring the same joy.
0: Yeah, that's so true. So are you are you taking new patients right now?
1: Yeah, yep, we're taking new patients. I'm looking at. Um, I mean, we work with individuals all around North America, so we have private labs that we work with. So individuals can order their own blood work if their doctor won't measure them for them. That's been really helpful. I can send you over what those labs would be. I have lots of free resources in terms of webinars and social media and blog posts for individuals to check out if they can't see me Mm one-on-one. I have a book that you guys can grab on Amazon to have a look at. My goal is to really help empower individuals to make the lifestyle choices that will best serve them. So there's nothing fancy in terms of supplementations, medications. There's nothing that I can give that will completely negate the fact that you need to eat whole foods. There's nothing that I can give that will make it so you don't have to sleep. that you don't have to manage your stress foundational work is so key and in terms of the reset program that i developed everybody asks like what is what is the magic with it what is the supplement that you're giving i'm like it's nothing it's helping people feel better about themselves challenging their limiting beliefs the accountability you know the motivation to show individuals that they're worth feeling good right? Mm -hmm. They're worth it. They deserve to know about what's going on in their bodies and their health. You just have to find someone that will help keep you accountable and explain to you why and motivate you to do it. You need the lifestyle.
0: Yeah. I, I actually tell people about your metabolic reset program quite a bit because I mean, I've seen the transformations that you've had and it is so powerful And like you said, I I remember reading a post that you said, she's not that's not fat, that's all inflammation. Mm -hmm. And so exercise isn't going to get rid of the inflammation.
1: Right. And you're working so hard to exercise, you don't want it to be covered up with all this swelling and water weight, right? So yes, inflammation is key. And individuals don't realize that their sleep, their mindset, their stress levels, foods that they eat can definitely contribute to that. And everybody's unique, so we have to figure out how much sleep, how much stress can you tolerate, how is your thyroid responding in terms of the stress that you have, how is your blood sugar responding. Mm -hmm. Perhaps you were resilient enough in your 20s and 30s. Things change, your hormones change, your susceptibility changes. You know, if if you can't figure out, okay, well, I used to be able to get away with this, why can't I now? Well, there's a compounding effect over years, too. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at getting you back to a solid foundation first.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you run that program like you have set enrollment dates?
1: No, we want it to be the right time for each individual. So any time individuals um, can sign up for that. We do want to make sure it's a right fit. So it's not the right fit for everybody. And and we might not be the right fit either. So we look at um, always doing a a call first. So we want to learn about you. your pre-existing medical condition is to make sure it's it would be safe and effective for you so this is more designed for individuals who have you know at least 20 pounds to lose Mm -hmm. right um and it's for someone who's willing to eat whole foods so there's no shakes no packages no frozen meals that you can just microwave but like you have to be willing to eat fruits and vegetables like whole true foods yes Um, and you have to look at the mindset work So that's what we work on each week, identifying kind of how you got here in the first place.
0: Well, and like, I don't like using results. I I don't want someone to hear this and say, oh, I'm going to do this program. I'm going to lose 50 pounds. But you have clients that have those kind of results. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes, we have many individuals, um, especially men, right? I, I understand it's not fair to women, but typically men in six weeks will be around more of the 40, 50 pounds, women 20 to 30, but it all depends on what your starting point is mm-hmm. and where you're at, right? So if you're really stressed and you're not sleeping, that's what we need to focus on, right? If you're going through a separation and you're you're moving or you're traveling, that's what we need to focus on. The weight will come later. So if we correct the underlying root issue, weight becomes a non-issue. Mm-hmm. And I really, this is why we also do the calls. We want to make sure individuals are willing to do this long-term. Yeah. So you have to be willing to make a lifestyle change long-term. If you're just, oh, I'm going to drop 20 pounds for summer and then go back to my old habits, it's not going to be sustainable. And that's not good for you either to being on this yo-yo because subconsciously you're teaching yourself that your goals don't matter and that you're not having a commitment to yourself. So you really have to be dedicated to making an overall lifestyle shift long-term and it's work, right? You have to put the work in. Um, We have individuals log their nutrition so that we can identify patterns. So if every time you eat X food, we see weight go up. It's not that you've gained fat overnight, two pounds, that's inflammation. So we have to look at what food that is and identify it and remove it for a period of time. And then we experiment with adding it back in. If every time you add it back in, you see that inflammation, perhaps you say, okay, well, mangoes just aren't for me. Mm -hmm. And it can be a healthy food. It's not just, you know, everybody says, oh, it's gluten and dairy. It's not always gluten and dairy for every individual. Mm -hmm. And I have individuals remove it, then add it back in dairy and gluten alcohol back in. I want to see how your body responds to know how much you can tolerate. Unless you have celiac or a very good reason why you're keeping it out forever, you're probably going to be exposed to it. Mm -hmm.
0: So fascinating. So I'll make sure everyone knows how to get a hold of you if if they're new to you. I love following you. You give out such great information. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time, Brianne.
1: Thank you for having me. It was great.
0: Until next time, I already have ideas. (laughs)
1: Well, it's so good to talk to you, Brianne. Thank you. I hope oh, that was. Oh, yeah, no,
0: it was great. Oh, and also, you're doing a webinar on this tonight, right? Yes. Okay. So I'll make sure everyone knows about that as well.
1: Cool. Okay. I can link a recording too. I'll send you the recording. If oh, that me. would be perfect. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Thank Bye. you.